to welcome those of you that are here tonight, those of you that have joined us online, as I say, just about every time, those of you that are online, please don't be a spectator, especially tonight because we're here to pray. We're here to talk about prayer. And the wonderful thing about the Spirit, because we're in the Spirit when we pray, is that there's no distance in the Spirit. So wherever you are right now, whether in your living room or whether you're wherever you may be, uh, as long as you're joined together with an agreement and your heart is open, God's able to connect our prayers together and to let them work together. So I just uh, want to thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, typically in the United States, prayer meetings are not the most widely attended. Meetings, you want to have a service where there's all kinds of jumping and shouting and preaching and things like that, you can get a crowd. But when people come to pray, it's because they're serious about the things of God. Well, I want to talk to you tonight to encourage you uh, before we pray, and I I may spend a little more time on this than I normally would. I just felt as I was looking to do this this morning, this evening, (laughs) uh, and it's been several weeks because we were away and some other things were in our schedule, so we weren't here, um, is I just want to encourage you in, in, in about prayer. And, and I, the Lord has kind of di- directed me to do this out of my own situation that I'm going through. The beginning of the year, um, I really felt as we came to the end of last year and the beginning of this year, I really felt the Lord in, impressing me on the urgency of prayer. I've always known how important prayer is, but really where, where we are right now, God was impressing upon me the power of prayer when we really understand how to pray and we really do it. And then about that time, uh, the situation with Denny Sullivan came up and he was taken to the hospital. And now as a church, we had a focus to this energy of prayer and, and a new cause and a purpose which was wonderful because it really brought us together as a church to pray. We had some marvelous prayer meetings here on Wednesday night back in January and praying especially for our, our dear brother Denny. But as we all know, and we've talked about this before several Sundays ago, uh, those prayers didn't get answered. And I, I don't know about you, I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I had the great zeal, I know it's still important to prayer. And I, 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 the message I brought that Sunday, which is understanding how these things can happen and what to do when it seems like your faith has failed. And I meant everything that I said, and I believe everything that I said. But I began to notice that I was starting to pull back in my prayer time. Not my, I have a time every morning where I spend just talking to God and fellowshipping with Him. And that I've maintained, but I, I noticed that my desire and passion to pray for other people has just kind of pulled back a bit. And I just, it it took me a while to really even notice it. And as I was praying about this, especially this morning, I began to realize that when you go through a disappointment like that, and it is a disappointment, uh, because we're human, and although we may be able to understand we still have to walk by faith, and all the things I went through on that Sunday... The reality is, as human beings, when we get disappointed, it can affect us. So I want to talk a little bit tonight about discouragement in prayer. And it's important that we just be honest with ourselves. We can go through times when we are discouraged in prayer. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, I think they can put it up here, 
Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred, hope that's put off, and especially hope that's disappointed, that hope makes the heart sick. Talking about disappointment, and specifically in prayer. And it's interesting, as I was meditating on this today, Solomon uses the word heart here. And I've talked about this before in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 23. Paul talks, or uh, Solomon says, Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues or the force of life. The spiritual forces come out of your heart, not the physical pump in your chest that moves your blood around, but the heart of who you are. And, and so when, when that heart, when disappointment gets into that heart, and that's what he's talking about here, it makes the heart sick. And when something's sick, it doesn't function right. Now, Satan understands this principle, which is that out of your heart flow the issues of life, and why Solomon says to guard it with all diligence, because there's a battle going on for your heart. And if, if Satan can sow into your heart discouragement and disappointment, he knows that that will cause you to begin to pull back. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So the contrast here is between sickness. Sickness is not here a physical sickness. Sickness is just, you just don't feel right. When you don't feel right, you're not functioning on all cylinders. You're just not very effective in whatever you do. But when life is flowing out of you, there's confidence, there's boldness, and then the Holy Spirit's able to work through you, and that's even true in prayer. So, this is, this is, this is some of this is coming together while I'm teaching this now. In, uh, in James chapter 5, which we've talked about a number of times, it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails or accomplishes much. Fervency there does not mean you're yelling, jumping up and down and spitting. It means passion, that your heart is engaged in what you're asking God for. So here, put that verse back up if you would, please. Here, the contrast here is when, when, when your hope is deferred or even worse, deflated, then what happens is, is your heart, this, this spiritual organ out of which comes faith, love, patience, all the fruit of the Spirit, out of which comes effectual prayer, it's not working right when we become disappointed. When we let that disappointment get into our heart. It's one thing to experience disappointment, but it's when it begins to get down in your heart. And, and, and that's when it begins to af- affect your spiritual effectiveness. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I experienced this many times. When, especially on a Wednesday night when I'm tired, I remember when I was practicing law, up in I, my office was an hour away from here, and I might have come through a grueling day, it may have been in court, it may have been wherever it was, and I come home and all the way this ride home, I'm thinking, oh, it's Wednesday night, it's time to go to church. I won't ask for a show of hands of whoever's thought that, but I have. Um, and it's like, oh, I'm too tired, I want to go home, I want to get some food, we got we got young boys that are in school. I just want to stay home and veg in front of the TV. But we have developed a pattern and a habit that we go to church on Sunday morning 
and on Wednesday night. And that's when those habits are crucial because they'll kick in. If you've developed the habit of coming, then that habit will see you through those difficult times. But if you develop the habit of going to, uh, of staying home and of giving into your flesh, then that's what will govern you. Your daily habits will govern what you do in a crunch time. And so we developed that habit. So we come in here, and every time I came in here discouraged or dragging or tired, somehow by the time praise and worship was over, I was energized again. And when I got the Word, often it was just what I needed to hear. I left just energized. I went through that this morning a little bit. I just woke up. I was something just, I was discouraged about some things. And I prayed them through. And I, I came, we came home. I had some things we had to do this morning. And I came home and I had lunch and I came in here and I'm saying, Lord, I don't even know what I want to, what I should talk about this, this evening. And as I got in my office and got quiet and turned to the Holy Spirit, He began to lay this out for me. And when He laid this out for me, all of a sudden I got energized. Life began to flow out of me because I, I, I connected with the Holy Spirit in me and now the life of God that's in me began to flow out of me. So the first thing we need to see is discouragement comes where all of us are tempted to be discouraged. The key is what do you do with it? Don't let it get into your heart. It may run through your mind, it may, which is the thoughts you get. But if you don't deal with those thoughts, they will get down into your heart and they become like a, a spiritual cancer in your heart. And they'll begin to eat away at the faith that's in you and your confidence in prayer. And so heart here refers to this, the, the spiritual heart of who you are. But the tree of life, I was thinking as I was reading, meditating on that today, in, in John chapter 15, Jesus said, I am the vine or the tree, you are the branches. And the, the image there is that as we connect with Him and we live in union with Him and abide in Him, His life will flow out of us. Well, that's true in prayer. The Spirit-anointed prayer, it's when you get connected and your heart is connected with the Spirit of God and what He wants to pray in these situations that His life will begin to flow out of you. So, the tendency, however, is when, what do you do when, you, when that discouragement has gotten into your heart? And that's evidently what I had allowed to happen. When that discouragement gets into our heart, now it becomes a weapon of, of Satan to cause us to pull back, just slightly at first, just begin to pull back. Maybe we don't pull back and stop praying, but maybe we don't put the time in. Maybe we don't put the energy in. Maybe we look for other things to do, or we just go through the motions because we're supposed to pray. But it's when your heart is engaged in what you're praying, that's, that's where the power is. So, it just appeals to our flesh. So, all, all effective prayer comes out of our relationship with God. And here's where discouragement comes in. Discouragement comes in the same way faith does out of the relationship that you have with God as your Father. We've talked about this before. 
Prayer to be effective comes out of a relationship. Jesus introduced us to this in Matthew chapter 6. We'll talk about that a little in a few minutes. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about prayer in the context of a relationship with our Father. Because he starts out by saying, don't pray the way the Gentiles pray because they think they're going to be heard because of how they pray. But understand this, your Father who's in heaven, which talks about a relationship, He knows what you need before you pray. In other words, the, the, the God you're talking to when you pray is your Father if you're a Christian. So it's praying out of relationship. And this God who is our Father already wants to hear your prayers. He already knows what you need before you come and ask Him, but He wants you to come and ask Him. So here's what happens. When discouragement gets into our hearts, ultimately what it's telling us is God has let us down somehow. Somehow God did not come through. Somewhere there's a breakdown in the relation. Or maybe you're... you're And this can be very subtle thoughts. We may not know that we're actually thinking them. It may be that it's not that we've lost confidence in God. We've lost confidence in ourselves. That, well, maybe I'm not in faith enough. Maybe I'm not doing this enough. Maybe I've opened a door somewhere. Maybe I... In either case, it's a breakdown in your confidence in that relationship. Satan's always after your confidence in your relationship with God as your Father. Because if He can break down your confidence in that relationship, then He's broken down the connection that you're experiencing with Him, and then He's broken down the effectiveness of your prayer life. So I want to talk about some scriptures where God has answers to this. Our effectiveness in prayer comes out of our relationship with God as our Father. When we lose confidence, we're starting to forget who He is and what He's like, His love and His faithfulness. So I want to turn to a scripture in Isaiah where God is dealing with Israel about the same thing. Now, it may not have been their prayer life, but it was some things God had promised them, and Israel was discouraged because their hope, their hope was deferred. And here God has made some promises to them because Israel is about to go through a very difficult and challenging time. And God is telling them in, in chapter 40, He is comforting His people. Begins, and we're not going to put it up there, begins, He starts by saying, Comfort, oh comfort my people. And He's going to talk to them about how He's going to deliver them from the distress that they're in. And they're going to see His deliverance. But what had happened is they were getting weary because they weren't seeing results. And then he talks about, as he gets into this, this is God talking to Israel through the prophet Isaiah. As he gets into this, he starts reminding Israel who he is that has made the promise. And as I said a few minutes ago, where our prayer life breaks down and where our faith life breaks down is our confidence in our relationship with God. Either who he is and what he can do or ourselves and whether or not He would listen to us. So it's always interesting when, when God's going to come on the scene and is going to make an adjustment or a correction to a situation, how does He do that? Because there's a, there's a, that tells you something about God. It's almost always He reminds them who He is. 
when, when, when in, the, in the book of Job, which is difficult to understand in many cases, uh, Job, of course, is the story of a man that by God's own testimony was righteous, and he had, God had no complaints against him. And Job goes through two of the worst days you can imagine. In the course of two days, he's lost all of his family except his wife. She may have been the one he should have lost. Um, he's lost his health. He's lost his money. He's lost his home. And then he, lo- yeah, then he loses his health. And when we see him at the end of chapter 2, he's sitting on a pile of ashes and sackcloth and ashes, scraping his body with boils. And then his three friends show up. And from chapter 3 on to about chapter 38 or 39, it's a debate among Job's three friends and Job about what Job must have done wrong to bring this about. So their whole discussion is, what did Job do wrong? And then around chapter 40, God shows up on the scene. And God begins to bring correction to their discussion. And the whole message that God brings is to simply remind Job who this God is. It's interesting. He never tells Job why Job went through that. So that must not have been important to God. So what's important to God when we go through discouragement? What's important to God when we go through difficult times? What's important to God, because God wants to do what's going to help bring us out of it, is to go back and remind ourselves of who this God really is and what this God has really done for us and how much this God really loves us. And that's what he does here in chapter 40 to help Israel get out of their discouragement. We're going to pick up in verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created all these things. He's just gone through a list of things that have been created in the earth, things that, they, that have been created that they did not create. Lift up your eyes on high and see who's created these things and who brings out their host by number, who calls them all by name. By the greatness of His might and the strength of His power, none of them are missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, which is a reference to Israel, and speak, O Israel, why do you say, My way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by my God? What they're saying is, God didn't answer our prayers. That's really what they're saying here. Why do you say, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? He doesn't know what I'm doing. And my just claim, my prayer, my request, he's passed over. He hasn't answered our prayers. We've cried out to him and he hasn't answered our prayers. Why have you not answered us? Why have you overlooked us? And they're weary in this. They're weary because they're disappointed. Verse 28. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, He never fa- neither faints nor is weary. And His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power or might to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases their strength. Even the youths shall not faint and be weary. Excuse me, even the youths, those that are young, that seem to have boundless energy, they'll eventually run out and faint 
and become weary. And the young men, they'll ultimately or utterly fall. But here's the famous verse. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And I want to talk about this for a minute. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It is the strength He's telling us The word wait here is an interesting word in Hebrew. The word wait ultimately means to take on somebody else's strength. But it comes from a word that means to take two ropes and, and, and twist them together to make them stronger. And the image here is to take your life and to let it be entwined together with His so that His strength now adds to your strength. And that's the root of what this word wait means in Hebrew. But what do we tend to do when we get discouraged? What do we tend to do when we feel weary and weak? We tend to take things into our own hands and try to figure out what's wrong and how to get out of it. So maybe we call a bunch of friends or maybe we post things on social media and people begin to pour on you or at you their advice and their counsel. And how is that very different than what Job did when his three friends came and posted on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter their advice for what he should do to get out of it? Or when they called people and asked for advice. But the Bible doesn't tell us to go get advice of how to get out of discouragement or weariness. It tells us to wait upon the Lord. But waiting isn't just sitting here waiting for God to do something. It is, first of all, you have to humble yourself and admit to yourself and to Him where you are. Lord, I'm discouraged. I, I just, you know, I, I don't have the confidence to pray because of whatever. Maybe my prayers haven't gotten answered or maybe you've been praying for something and just the opposite seems to be happening and you've been doing this for a while and although the Bible says don't get weary in well-doing, you're weary. See, we get weary when we're not getting results. They, they would train boxers to make sure that your punches are hitting something because what will wear a boxer out with all their muscles and all their training, what will wear a boxer out faster than anything else is for their punches to miss because when their punches hit the target, it energizes them because they're getting success. And prayer is like that. When you've been praying and praying and praying and you're not seeing results, you start to get weary and when you start to get weary, a bell goes off in hell and Satan begins to send some emissaries to you to begin to add to your tiredness and suggest to you things about you or about your heavenly Father to whom you're praying. So God's answer is to wait upon Him, is to allow His strength to take over your strength. But to do that, you have to be willing to admit where you are. By the way, God's not going to be shocked to find out. When you tell God you're discouraged, Lord, I'm discouraged, I just don't feel like praying anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired, I'm not seeing results, God's not sitting in heaven saying, oh, my me, 
Some of you will get that on the way home. Oh my, I can't believe they're in that spot. No, He knows you're there. He's waiting for you to come and be honest with Him. When you're honest with Him, He can help you. I've had people come to me and said, my relationship with God is just clogged up. I don't know what to do. I just, I'm just so clogged up. And I've told people, here's what I suggest you do. Go out in a field somewhere where nobody's going to hear you and just yell at them. Just get mad at God because somewhere inside of you, you're disappointed and you're frustrated. Clear the pipes out. God can handle it. He can handle your getting upset. What He can't handle, what He can't work with is when we're not real with Him. When you're real with Him, that's being in faith. That's having confidence that He loves you enough, He cares about you enough to hear what you're really going through and for you to share your issues with Him because He wants to take your issues upon Himself. So waiting on God involves opening our weakness up to Him and then allowing Him to intertwine His life and His strength with yours so that He can begin to infuse His strength, His might, and His power into your life and into your, and into your heart. It's interesting. In 2 Corinthians, you know the verses, I think it's in chapter 12, where Paul is weary. And Paul went through things you and I hopefully never go through. And all the persecution and all the things Paul went through was for things he did right. He was in jail. He was beaten. And if you've seen pictures of these jails he was in, it's not like the jails we have today. And he got weary and he got discouraged. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, he, went, he said, three times I went to the Lord because there was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. It was not sickness and disease. Paul tells us what it was. And he said, I cried to the Lord three times that he would take this from me. And God's answer was, my grace, my strength, my rope, my life is sufficient for you. That grace was given to him through the presence of the Holy Spirit in him. And Paul says, I've now learned the secret. I glory in my weakness because in my weakness, his strength is made complete or made perfect. So when you're discouraged, don't avoid it. When you realize that's what's going on, the symptom is you're just not praying the way you used to. You may be going through the motions, but your heart's not in it. If your heart's not in it, then somehow discouragement has gotten down, gotten down into your heart. I want to close with this little lesson. It's in Matthew chapter 11. And I didn't, this isn't something I saw on my own. I, I learned this from somebody else, but it's, it's a wonderful insight and understanding of how God rescues you when you're discouraged. And I'm sure most psychologists would not adopt this method, but boy, it has worked, it has worked time and time, time and time again with me. We're going to pick up Matthew chapter 11. We're going to pick up in verse 2. What's happened is uh, John the Baptist has been arrested. He's been arrested by Herod, and in, in essence, he's waiting to be beheaded. And he's been sitting now, he's done what he was supposed to do. God gave him the revelation, the Spirit of God gave him the revelation that this is the Lamb of God 
to slain for the sins of the world. He was there. He baptized the Messiah when he came to the Jordan River and he experienced the Holy Spirit descending on him and he heard the voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's had these supernatural manifestations. He's seen Jesus minister to people. He's heard the reports of hundreds and hundreds of people gathering and people being healed and miracles. He's seen him. He knows this thing. But now John's been arrested. And I don't know how long he was in jail, but he's been arrested and he's down in a dungeon, most likely in his mind, awaiting at least an uncertain future, if not execution. And he's alone. His disciples aren't with him. And somewhere he begins to look at his own situation and he begins to question things. He begins to question whether he really gave his life. Was this really the Messiah? Was this really the one that I was called to be the forerunner of? So when his own disciples come and visit him, he asks them to go and talk to this Jesus of Nazareth and to confirm, are you really... Are you really the one? Because he's given everything up on the confidence that he was to, this was the one he was to be the forerunner of. And he's sitting there discouraged. So his disciples, John's disciples, come to Jesus. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and they said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another. Now that's what's behind that verse, what I just explained. Now look at Jesus' answer here. And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John, go and tell John you've done a great job. Go and tell John you are the prophet. Go and tell, no, that's not what he tells him. He says, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. Verse 5. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, that may not mean a whole lot to you unless you understand that Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 35. And Isaiah 35 is the call that God gave in the Old Testament prophecy to, to, the, to, to John the Baptist. It was his call to ministry. His purpose was to be the forerunner of the one that Isaiah was talking about. So what Jesus is doing, Jesus is encouraging John by reminding him of his call and the thing God called him to do. Just as God reminded Israel of who he is when Israel got discouraged. Just as God reminded Paul of who he is when Paul got discouraged. Now the interesting thing is, as soon as Jesus sends those disciples back to John, Jesus launches into a discussion, extolling and lifting John the Baptist up, basically saying, there's been nobody that's walked the earth before after John who's equal to John until you are a child of God in heaven. He, he extols him and he lifts him up and he praises him. 
And, and why didn't he praise him to the disciples so that they could send that message back to him? Because the greatest encouragement that God can give to you is to remind you of your purpose and what you're called to do. I use this expression, Lord, sometimes, Lord, I need you to jerk the slack out of me. And when I need the slack jerked out of me, I don't go to Psalms that comfort me. I go to scriptures like, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Because the problem I'm having is with my flesh. And Jesus has called us to deny our flesh, to deny ourselves. So if you're going through this kind of discouragement at all, whether it's prayer or anything else in life, I just want to remind you to go back into the Word of God. And God has said, if you're tired, if you're weary, the answer is to go back to Him and to wait upon the Lord. Just wait upon Him. Go to Him, be honest. Tell Him where you are. And ask Him to begin to show you those areas of your life, to show you the adjustments you to make. Maybe it's to show you where you need to jerk this. He needs to jerk the slack out of you. But expect Him to answer you. It's kind of if you go to the doctor. If you go to the doctor, you have a conversation with the doctor. The doctor says, why have you come? And you say, well, I have this symptom in my body. And so the doctor does whatever he does. He asks you the questions. And then the doctor will prescribe something or tell you what to do. So you have a conversation. You, you, you come <laughs> and you wait for him. You come and you, you wait upon You tell him what you need. You tell him what's wrong. And then he tells you what the answer is. I remember getting in an argument with one of my doctors and he had to remind me, he said, no, I'm the doctor, you're the patient. I'm the one that went to medical school, you went to law school, but you didn't go to medical school, so you need to listen to me and I'll tell you what you need to do. And so we need to do that with God. Come to Him, tell Him where you are and let Him direct you to restore to you that confidence. We're going to do something a little different tonight. I want to pray about this for us. You may all be sitting there just so full of life about your prayer life and so confident. Maybe you're watching online and you're saying, wow, I just can't really wait to storm hell. But maybe there's someone among us that are in the condition that I'm talking about. Or maybe it's not prayer, it's something else. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take some time And I'm going to give you some subjects and then give you a chance just on your own to, to spend some time waiting upon the Lord and being honest with Him about, about where, where you are. So the first thing we're going to do, and I'll, I'll start this and then I'm going to let you go for a while, is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And, and, and by this, He may take you back And you may do like he did with me this morning, kind of ask me, well, John, you know, you know, you've come through a great time talking to me, but now it's time to pray for some situations and, and you're, you're, you can't wait to get up and get out of here. Why? And that's, that question began to open me up to realize, yeah, why? So this is how he'll deal with you. He asks me questions. Why, why are you doing this? Why are you not doing this anymore? So we're going to take a few moments. I'm going to pray for us. And again, you may, if you're in a great spot, then pray for me. <laughs> pray for others, all right? So, Father, we just come to you, and, and we, we know from your word how important and critical 
our prayer life is to you and to us. And Father, right now in this room and watching online, I have no idea where we are, all of us are. I barely know where I am. But your precious Holy Spirit lives in us. And He lives in us to lead us and to guide us into truth. And that truth may be for us and for our benefit. And so now, Lord, we're going to take some time right now and allow and just get quiet in front of you. Those of you that are home, those of us that are here, and just be quiet. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit, give Him permission to just open our eyes and our hearts to look at our own prayer life, not to condemn us because you love us, but you're here to help us. Maybe some of us are weary, weary in what we're doing. Maybe some of us are discouraged because we prayed for situations for a long time and we don't know why we're not getting answers. And so, Lord, we take right now some time and ask you, Holy Spirit, to begin to show us. And so we'll come back in in just a couple of moments. I just encourage you to let him take your mind back over things that God has done for you. Prayers that he has, has answered for you. Sunday, as I shared the testimony of things God has done for us as, my, as our source financially, it just instills in me again a confidence of what God will do going forward. So take a few minutes now and just prayerfully, as you wait upon God, let the Holy Spirit bring to your remembrance things He's done for you. Maybe it's healings. Maybe it's a financial miracle. Maybe it's an emotional thing he's done for you, but he'll, he'll, he'll remind you of things that he's done for you in the past. So we'll take a few moments and do that. As we try to open our hearts to you tonight, to be honest with ourselves and with you of where we are, we now take whatever there may be in our hearts, discouragement, frustration, maybe anger, whatever those emotions that we have allowed down into our hearts and that have taken root, Father, we bring them to you tonight. We bring them to the cross. And we turn them over to you. Your word tells us to cast our cares upon you and the root of all these emotions is our care. We cast those cares upon you because you cared for us. And so we bring these cares emotions to you. We bring these discouragements to you. We bring these angers, these frustrations to you. And we put them into your hands and we ask you to heal our hearts. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of comfort and of encouragement and of hope. We read tonight, Lord, from your word that when hope is deferred, that's when our hearts can become sick. And so restore hope to our hearts. Lord, where there's not an answer to those prayers yet, restore hope, Lord, that our faith may may grab hold of that hope again. Inspire us, Lord, with faith again. And encourage us and help us to encourage one another, Lord. 
bring us across the path of others that will encourage us and help us to encourage one another. And Father, we just pray for the precious Holy Spirit, who only He can go down into those depths of our heart and bring comfort and healing and bring wholeness to our hearts, that our hearts may once again be filled with hope and confidence and confidence and courage in our relationship that we have with you that tells us we can come to you and ask anything boldly and opening with the confidence that if it's in accordance with your will, you hear us and that we know that if you hear us, that we have the requests that we've made known to you. Father, just as you encouraged the Apostle Paul with your grace that was sufficient and just as you taught and trained him, Lord, where his strength was not, it glorified your grace and your strength within him. Teach us and train us how to let go of our own efforts and to put our trust fully and confidently into your hands. Father, in many ways, it's our own self-help efforts that are getting in your way of delivering us and of rescuing us. And only your precious spirit can do that. And so we thank you for that. We pray that tonight, Father, not just for those that are present here or watching online, but for all of those in this body of believers here, Lord, that are discouraged about anything, whether it's prayer life, whether it's whatever it may be in their life. We come against that spirit of discouragement. And we ask you to bring comfort to them. Maybe it's through one of us. Maybe if it's through one of us praying for them when you bring their name or their face to our heart and we think of them and remember them, help us to remember to pray for them. Maybe there's something we they need at that moment and then you're tapping us on our spirit shoulder to pray for them. Lord, we come and pray for this body that Jesus' prayer would be answered, that we would be one. There are many things that try to divide us and separate us there are many things that try to pull us apart, but Jesus' prayer is stronger. Your spirit is stronger than any weapon of Satan. And so in the name of Jesus, we come against the spirits of division, those spirits that would try to divide our families, those spirits that would try to divide friendships, those spirits that would try to divide this community of believers. And we pray for your body at large, Lord, for that unity true loving unity that we might indeed be one so that your spirit may usher in a great outpouring a great harvest before our lord comes back for us father help us to be one heart and one mind one vision one purpose lord and bring us together as a body and lord we pray for a spirit of prayer to come through this body to bry your spirit, draw people that they would know they need to be together in prayer. That that is the answer that you have. Lord, there's so much effort that goes into fighting legislation. There's so much effort that goes into fighting with carnal, natural weapons. And some of those things are okay. But ultimately, it's prayer and prayer alone that's going to make the difference. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God 
for the pulling down of strongholds. And Lord, we confess that your church has done everything else but exercise its spiritual weapons that have been given to us. And so wake us up to the time that we're in. Wake us up to the urgency of spiritual things and that our eyes are on, are, are on things above and not caught up with the things of this earth. And may we have discernment, Lord, in the decisions that we make every day of where we spend our time, where we spend our energy, and where we spend the money that you've entrusted to us. And help us to recognize that all of those things, our time, our thoughts, our, our finances, and all of those things, we are only stewards of them for your benefit and for your kingdom. And so we close, Lord, by praying for those that are in leadership and authority. You've commanded us to do that, whether we like them or not, agree with them or not. Those that we don't agree with, they especially need your prayer, that your will will be done in their lives, that your kingdom come. And so we pray for our president. We pray for our vice president. We pray for the leaders of Congress, Father, most of all for their souls, for you love them. You love them and you care for their souls because their souls are an eternal being and Jesus gave his precious blood for each one of them. And we often see them as as enemies or as friends. We often see them for their political stance and don't remember or recognize that you don't see them that way. You see them that as a, as a soul that is either lost or it's in your kingdom. And so for those that are not in your kingdom, we pray for them tonight. We pray that you would bring people across their path, whether it's in their office staff or someone they meet, Lord, that will shine the light of your love and of your gospel in a way that will make an impact upon them from the very top to the very bottom of our government. Father, you can do that. You can place people in strategic positions. And we ask you to do that, Father. We pray for those that are leaders of our local area, our governors of Rhode Island and of Massachusetts. We pray also for their souls, Father, and that you would strengthen them with your grace and give them wisdom. We pray for those that advise them, especially regarding the issues that are so pressing right now. And we pray especially for our dear sister Nicole, Lord, that you continue with your grace, the grace that she needs every day, to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, the grace that she needs to have discernment, to make decisions, Lord, with your wisdom and your discernment, and that you keep and protect her and all those, Lord, that belong to you and are serving you in our government, that you keep and protect them because they are the focus of a spiritual battle. And we pray, Father, for those that are spiritual leaders in this area, our fellow pastors, Lord, who, to whom you've entrusted the lives and souls of people that are precious to you. Encourage them tonight, strengthen them tonight, and give them the grace and the wisdom and the discernment that they need in this week to carry out the will that you have for them and for the body of Christ that you've entrusted to them. And for these things we give you thanks, Father. We pray now for Sunday, Lord. We're going to do something a little different, Father, we've done before. And we pray, Father, for our brother as he comes, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will guide him and he can minister truth and he can minister in a way that those of us that you've put here are not gifted to do. 
And we pray that you would use what's in his heart, Lord, to touch the hearts of those that are watching and those that will will be here. We ask you to give boldness to people, Lord, that have been on the fence about whether it's safe to come back to church. Give them confidence and boldness, Lord, to come, to see how critical it is that we learn to come together. And we take authority over the spirit of fear that would try to control and dominate us, Lord. And we thank you for that. Father, we pray for those families in Georgia that have been that have been stricken, Lord, by losing loved ones in this shooting, that you will bring comfort to them and to the community, Lord. We pray, Father, for all this, the, 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 the tension, the racial tension and the, the injustice that's coming again. It's to the forefront again, Lord. And we ask you for your spirit as only he can to bring wisdom to those that are in leadership, grace and the love and the grace and the wisdom of Christ into those situations. And we thank you, Father, for your wisdom and for your grace. And we just thank you for loving us tonight, Father. We just thank you for how patient you are with us, how kind and how gentle you are with us, Father. We thank you for the grace that you've lavished upon us and, and help us to remember each day your love and feel your loving arms around us, Lord, as we face whatever we may face this week. And for these things, we give you thanks. And we pray right now, Father, anybody that's here or is watching online that has never invited Christ into their life, that you would touch their heart right now to recognize their need for him that without him in their life, they are eternally lost because none of us can stand before you on our own merit. The very best person that's ever lived other than Christ, their righteousness are filthy rags. Open their eyes to see their need for a Savior and help their hearts to receive the gift of love that you have for them tonight. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're